What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. Welcome in, divers. Welcome back to another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. And the draft is finally in the books. It's what we've all built up our content towards for the last, feels like, three months. And it's finally in the books, so we get to talk about what happened. I'm going to talk about, personally, things that I hit and missed on, of course. I like to keep it transparent. You guys know this by now. And I'm also going to talk about a lot of points that relate to fantasy. So it's going to be a good episode. Stay tuned to the end. You guys should enjoy it. And I want to start out by saying, remember, the goal was to get five to seven player team matches out of the first round mock that I did correct. Five to seven, because that's about the average in the industry. Well, your boy hit nine. Your boy hit nine. We'll go through and say which ones they were right now. So obviously... The first pick was Trevor Lawrence, got that one right. Then the second pick was Zach Wilson, got that one right too, so that's two. But I started to get a little bit worried because when the 49ers took Trey Lance, and it wasn't Justin Fields who I had mocked, obviously I had Trey Lance mocked that four to the Falcons, that couldn't happen. So boom, boom, three and four, I was like, oh, this is going to change the whole draft and I might get screwed here. But it settled down after that because the 49ers took Lance, Fields was falling, and we got back on track with Jamar Chase to the Bengals. And then, so that's three. Then Mac Jones to the Patriots. I got that one too. That's four. Rayshon Slater to the Chargers. Remember, I had them trading up. But in fact, they didn't even have to trade up. He fell to them. So that was five that I had right. Devonta Smith to the Eagles made six. I'm still looking through, trying to find which one. Where was it? Tevin Jenkins, that's the one, because Tevin Jenkins went in the second round, right? So it was throwing me off. I was like, man, where is it? But I had him mocked to the Bears in the first round. They were able to snag him later after trading up in the second round to get him. And that was after they traded up for Fields. So that's seven. Quiddy Pay to the Colts made eight. And the last one that I had right was Najee Harris to the Steelers. So I had nine this this year. Last year, I think I only had five. So huge improvement Started getting a little bit better. I think I'm learning what things to pay attention to, what things not to pay attention to in the media because when you look at the last three days coming into the NFL draft, usually 80% of the media stuff that's being pushed out is complete nonsense that you shouldn't be listening to. So that's basically something to keep in mind for the future, right? One, think with common sense because a lot of teams try to use it. And it didn't make sense that the 49ers would take Mac Jones. So even though I mocked the wrong quarterback, I was on the boat all along saying, right, it's not going to be Mac Jones. It has to be Fields or Lance. They're not going to give up all that stuff for somebody without upside. It just wouldn't make sense. And that ended up being the truth. And Kyle Shanahan actually said that it was Trey Lance all along. And they were basically <laughs> they were basically just screwing with everybody the whole time, which I think is is funny. But... With that said, let's talk about some things that are of fantasy note in the NFL draft. One thing 
that stood out to me, and I was super scared as a Bucks fan, is that the Panthers apparently really believe in Sam Darnold. I don't know why. It's very interesting because when Justin Fields was on the board at 8, my jaw was clenched. My fists were clenched. I was pissed, guys. I was like, no way that Pitts just entered my division with the Falcons, and now Fields is going to be in the division with the Panthers. I thought there was no way that they passed on him, and they did. They did for a corner. Yes, J.C. Horn is really good, but for a corner, you guys passed on a franchise-changing quarterback. You guys are definitely going to regret that. Panthers are going to live to regret that decision, but I was super happy about it, and it shows that Sam Darnold, they really do believe in him, and it started with that move or the lack of the move to take Justin Fields. And then it just built on from there because they added one of my favorite sleeper receivers, Shai Smith, and they added Terrace Marshall. So sick offense there for Sam Darnold, for sure. So that's very interesting. And not only did they pass on Justin Fields, but the Broncos did as well. So apparently Drew Locke is somebody that they have at least some degree of faith in because not only did they pass pass on Justin Fields they also passed on Mac Jones and a lot of people thought that hey and this is including me if a quarterback is available for the Broncos at nine they're gonna take a quarterback and they didn't so that was super interesting in my opinion so that's a good thing for Locke and then they also drafted Seth Williams another decent sleeper receiver not in the same regard as a lot of other guys that I liked but still a decent sleeper big guy with some size that's a great receiving room with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, now Seth Williams, Noah Fant, Albert Ogwebunam, and now they've got Javonta Williams and Melvin Gordon in the backfield. Drew Locke has no excuses at this point. Like, even if their offensive line struggles a little bit, you've got so many weapons, you just got to get the ball out quick to their into their hands and let them do the rest. Because Judy, after the catch, monster. Hamler, after the catch, monster. Noah Fant, even. So, they've got playmakers there. Drew Locke is probably going to have the best season he could, and if he doesn't turn in a good season now, it's basically, it's done. You can wash your hands of him and shed him off your roster if this year does not end up being fruitful. Kadarius Toney went in the first round, and he went to the Giants offense, which you guys know I love Kadarius Toney. He was my wide receiver five. I'm probably one of the highest people you will see on Kadarius Toney, but that does not mean that I do not understand the type of player Kadarius Tony is. Kadarius Tony is somebody that I loved because of the potential he holds. The way he moves his body, it's not something you can teach. It's something that he has. It's an intangible. And when you have an intangible like Kadarius Tony does, it's just so tantalizing as a prospect in my opinion and that's why I loved him because if he refines his routes he was already a pretty good route runner he was very good at getting open because of the way he moves kind of similar to Jerry Judy and one of the reasons a lot of people loved him and why his highlights just looked significantly better than a regular highlight reel of a receiver is because of the way he moves so he's already pretty good at routes but if he refines that if he turns that fine tunes it into an excellent trait, a perfect, a perfected trait, then Kadarius Tony is going to be ridiculous in the NFL. With that said, I was very mad that he went to the Giants because I love Kadarius, but he needed to go somewhere 
that I could put confidence in to develop him. I'm not sure I have that confidence in the New York staff to develop a wide receiver. If he went somewhere like the Chiefs, I would believe they would utilize his skill set properly and develop him properly. If he went to the Steelers, that's a bad example because their receiver room is pretty loaded, but it's a good example because they know how to develop and use receivers properly. If there's just so many better places he could have went, New Orleans, Indianapolis, like all these other places. So it's a pretty rough landing spot, especially because they signed Kenny Galladay. They still have Saquon Barkley. They still have Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, all these guys. So it's going to be a sick offense for Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is, once again, similar to Drew Locke. This is the year. You've got no excuses. So they did do, Dave Gettleman did do a good job this year, a pretty decent job in terms of getting Kadarius Toney, getting you know another weapon for Daniel Jones, signing Kenny Galladay in free agency, drafting a Z. Aziz Ojolari in the second round which by the way everyone's like making fun of the Giants because they took Kadarius in the first but getting Aziz in the second should counteract your hate towards getting Kadarius in the first because if those were flipped and Aziz was in the first and Kadarius was in the second you wouldn't be saying anything so it was a pretty good draft and they traded back a lot something that Dave Gettleman really never did so I thought they did a pretty decent job and now Daniel Jones is on the clock him and Drew Locke are on the clock. You've got no excuses. Sam Darnold, because it's going to be his first year in the system and everything, I would give him more than just one year. I'd give him two with the Panthers. But those are three quarterbacks that we've got to look at now and say, all right, it's time to shine. We've given you the chances. Now you've got all the weapons to do what you need to do. Turn in a good performance or, you know, hit the road. So that was something that I thought was very important to talk about. And... My boy, you guys know, my boy, the one that I told you that I played basketball with in high school is on the basketball team with me, Trey McKitty from FSU, transferred to Georgia, didn't really get to play much, wasn't utilized properly. He was somebody I really liked as a sleeper at the tight end position. You guys probably heard his name for the first time if you listened to the podcast when I was talking about tight ends. Most people didn't know who this guy was. And those of you that did, props to you because that means you're doing a lot of research or you're just watching a lot of college football or you're an FSU fan or Georgia fan. But anyways, Trey McKitter, Trey McKitty, he went in the third round to the Chargers and you guys know that's a dream spot for me for the tight end position. My perfect landing spot for Kyle Pitts would have been the Chargers with Atlanta pretty much the most realistic awesome landing spot because no way Kyle Pitts fell there. But getting Trey McKitty... To join that team with Justin Herbert now that Hunter Henry is gone and Mike Williams, who knows, he might be gone. Trey McKitty could be looking at an 80 target season coming up here in maybe his second or third year if they just let him loose in the receiving game, which is what he needs. And so Trey McKitty, big fan. If he's available in your third round, fourth round, make sure you're adding Trey McKitty because I'm telling you this guy is very athletic. It's not just because I know him. I'm not just like trying to talk up a boy. No, that's not it. I am very good, at least I think I am, at being objective and not letting my personal preferences get in the way of analysis. Trey McKitty is definitely worth a shot. Amari Rodgers to Green Bay, even bigger fan of that, assuming they can keep Aaron Rodgers. I love Amari. Now he's got a perfect opportunity at wide receiver two targets. Deami Brown went to Washington. He could become the wide receiver two. I'm kind of just glazing over these wide receivers because we're going to talk about them a little bit later. But Travis Etienne, Javonta Williams, that's pretty tough. 
pretty crappy spots for them to land for the short term. And people are going to look too much into that. So they could become values. And it's interesting to see, is J-Rob, James Robinson, is he going to get traded? Or are they really going to just use ETN and J-Rob? Like, that's, it's very interesting to see what they're going to do there. I thought that was a really head-scratching pick, ETN, in the first round. And lastly, a lot of guys were reunited. Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne reunited in Jacksonville. Devonta Smith reunited with his college quarterback, Jalen Hurts, in Philadelphia. Jalen Waddell reunited with his college quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, in Miami. And Terrace Marshall reunited with his coach, Joe Brady, in Carolina. So a lot of reunions. I thought that was pretty interesting. Usually we don't see that many, especially that quickly and high in a draft. But now, with all that said, let's get into the fantasy rookie rankings. Where am I ranking the fantasy quarterbacks after landing spots, running backs after landing spots, wide receivers, tight ends. And before we start, I want to talk about the landing spot versus talent argument. You've got people, it's it's kind of like Oh, no, let me not start a politic. I'm not going to say no politics examples. But we've got extremists, right? We've got people all the way on the side of talent. Talent trumps all. Draft only based on talent, and they don't consider the landing spot at all. Ludicrous. Then we've got people on landing spot trumps everything, and it doesn't matter how good they are because the landing spot is going to completely determine their success. Ludicrous. You've got to meet smack dab in the middle. That's where the truth lies. So I'm not trying to change my rankings from talent too much. When you're dropping people multiple tiers because of landing spot, you're probably not doing it right. And I mean, there might be certain exceptions, but generally you're not doing it right if that's the case. And if you're not moving anyone at all after the draft, you're probably not doing it right. So just keep in mind that I realize both extremes and I'm trying to take the middle ground. I try to be, you know, realistic because I know talent does, as they say, right? The cream rises to the top. Is that how it's said? I'm pretty sure the cream rises to the top. So that's the talent. The talent will find its way to the field eventually. So talent does still matter a lot, but landing spot obviously has a huge effect. With that said, we'll start with the quarterbacks. Fantasy rookie rankings. Trevor Lawrence is QB1. I don't know how much I need to explain. Honestly, I'm pretty sure everyone agrees with that. He's got the rushing ability. He's got the passing ability. He's in an offense in Jacksonville that has mad weapons with Travis Etienne, LaVisca Chanel, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, James Robinson, mad weapons. And he has his own rushing ability. So that's huge. Plus, he's going to pass a lot because the Jaguars' defense sucks and they're in a division with some pretty good teams. And they're going to be playing catch-up a lot. So they're going to throw the ball a lot. Volume equals fantasy points most of the time. So that's going to be another great thing for Trevor Lawrence. Now, at two is the debate, right? Is it Trey Lance or is it Justin Fields? I'm happy to see that that's the debate and that Zach Wilson is not in the conversation because he should not be. And we'll talk about why later. But Justin Fields and Trey Lance both have rushing ability. Trey Lance, his rushing ability definitely trumps Justin Fields' rushing ability. Justin Fields is, as of right now definitely the better passer. Trey Lance has just as much upside to be a good passer as Justin Fields does, but as of right now, Fields is more polished than Trey Lance is. So then you have to look at the situation. Trey Lance might not start. It's possible that they start Jimmy Garoppolo. 
He'll probably end up starting at some point in the season, even if that's the case, but it's possible that he doesn't play his first year. Justin Fields is starting from day one. Justin Fields also, his situation is not as bad as you would initially think when you think of Chicago, because they traded up and grabbed grabbed Tevin Jenkins in the second round to help protect Justin Fields. Those are two great trade-ups. You traded up for the quarterback that you need, and you traded up for the tackle to protect him. And it's not like they traded up to four to get Justin Fields. They were able to get him at, what was it, 11? That's ridiculous. Like, the fact that he dropped that far was honestly just ridiculous. But aside from that and the NFL draft results, going back to the fantasy outlook for Justin Fields, he's a good passer, and he's got Allen Robinson. He's got Darnell Mooney. He's got David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen in the backfield. He's got a nice tackle in Tevin Jenkins and some other good offensive linemen in Chicago to protect him. And he's got another rookie that I really like that went super late, but I think is good enough to start on that offense at some point, and that's Daz Newsom. So he's got a nice offense to work with. He's backed by a good defense, as is Trey Lance. So really, when it gets down to it, I'm going to take Justin Fields as my second because he will start from the get-go. And he's also somebody that has a less chance of being a bust because he did it he was, you know, successful in college for a longer period of time than Trey Lance was. And Trey Lance was also in a much easier competition level at college or in college. So Trey Lance is somebody I really like, but I'm going to have him a notch below Fields. So, so far we've got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson is fourth. The reason he should not be in the conversation for number two is because He doesn't have the rushing ability, and we know that rushing ability for quarterbacks is absolutely the X factor for fantasy football. It is king, and unless you're Patrick Mahomes, who still actually runs the ball a little bit, by the way, unless you're Patrick Mahomes and you're throwing 5,000 yards and 40-plus touchdowns, you need rushing ability to be a top-five quarterback for fantasy, so Zach Wilson doesn't have upside like that nowhere near, and he also has a lower floor because he does not have the rushing ability. When Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence have a bad bad day passing for whatever reason, they're still going to accrue points through running the ball. Zach Wilson is not going to do that. So that's the difference there. And then Mac Jones will be five. Kyle Trask will be six. I'm not a huge Kyle Trask guy, but behind Tom Brady, it's a pretty good landing spot for dynasty purposes because Hopefully, Tom Brady will take him under his wing, teach him a thing or two, and not look at him as a threat and be pissed off like Aaron Rodgers was about Jordan Love, which was justified, in my opinion, for the circumstances. If you take the totality of the circumstances, a couple of you will get that reference. Um, if you do if you do that, then uh, it's understandable why Aaron Rodgers was pissed off about the Jordan Love pick. But with that said... That, that's pretty much the quarterbacks. I mean, if you want me to go deeper, I would say Kellen Mond would be the guy after Kyle Trask because he's in Minnesota, has a good opportunity to start and can run the ball a little bit. Davis Mills would be the next one for me because he has a chance to start if Deshaun Watson misses out. He was a guy I liked, but the fact that he landed in Houston, that's a big no-no. I don't think he's going to be a good player in the NFL because of that. That is going to probably destroy him. Quarterback is maybe the position most affected by landing spot than any other position in the NFL because they distribute the ball, right? So they're reliant on all the talent around them. Now, there are transcendent talents that tr- talents that transcend everything around them and are good regardless, 
but obviously those aren't the guys we're talking about. And then Ian Book to New Orleans would probably be the last one. Now we move over to the running back position. There's a clear number one that's Najee Harris to Pittsburgh. They grabbed Harris. They grabbed some linemen later on in the draft. They grabbed Pat Fryermuth, who can help block and will help make the offense a little bit better. So Najee Harris is the number one running back. He's going to get huge volume. He's going to get receptions. He's going to get red zone work. He's going to get everything you want in a fantasy running back. Clear winner. That's probably the best landing spot after looking at the results. Because Travis Etienne to Jacksonville, that sucks. That sucks. And unless they trade James Robinson, I don't know how Travis Etienne even has a shot at being a top 16 fantasy running back. Maybe top 20 is even a stretch. Because even if they make him the number one, James Robinson's going to get a lot of work either way. So, And they're not a team that's going to just be you know, running the ball 400 times. They're not the Ravens, so they're not going to have two productive fantasy backs when you have Trevor Lawrence and all the weapons in the receiving game that they do. So Travis Etienne, he's my third because of that. Javonta Williams is my second. Javonta Williams went to Denver, and yes, Melvin Gordon is there, but Melvin Gordon has one year left. He's kind of overrated, to be honest. Everyone hypes him up way more than he should be. I liked him going into this year. I liked him for a redraft because I thought he was going to get a great workload and a great offense with receiving weapons around him to help him be efficient in the run game. And he also gets receiving work. And with Philip Lindsay gone, that would help him dominate the receiving work. But now they drafted Javonta Williams. So bye-bye Melvin Gordon's chance at being a top 15, top 16 running back. And Javonta and him will probably split pretty evenly in this first year. So I think Javonta will be a good value because people are going to look at that offense. They're going to see Melvin Gordon. They're going to feel threatened and they're going to say, you know what? Javonta Williams might've been my third favorite running back or second favorite running back or whatever in this draft, but he's not going to get a big opportunity here. I think I'm going to pass. Well, that's fine because if we're talking about dynasty, I will love to have Javonta Williams because once uh, Melvin Gordon is gone, You know how easy it's going to be for him to score fantasy points? Denver has a great defense. They always have a great defense. They run the ball a lot. They have leads and can manage leads, or at least manage close games, a lot of the time. They're very rarely going to be scripted out from being able to run the ball. And even if they were, Javante Williams is a good receiver. And... It's going to be very easy for him to be efficient, as I was talking about Melvin Gordon. When you've got all those weapons on the outside that the defense has to worry about, they can't stack the box versus Javonta Williams. So I love him going forward after this year. And for redraft, I mean, maybe Melvin gets banged up. So he's definitely somebody like that would be a good zero running back target. But for redraft purposes without injuries, probably not going to be somebody that's on my radar. Then we've got Trey Sermon. He's my fourth favorite to San Fran. Needs no explanation. He's a strong, big running back in an offense that is conducive to the run game and has a great defense backing them. That's what Trey Sermon is. Plus, now he has... Oh my goodness. What's his name? (laughs) Trey Lance. Now he has Trey Lance um, in his quarterback room with rushing ability. And what do we see when you have a quarterback with rushing ability and a running back behind him? You see extra efficiency by the running back because when they're running the read option, the defense has to pause for an extra half second and analyze who has the ball. And that helps the running back get an advantage against the defense and be even more efficient. 
So it'll be interesting to see. I think the one thing that can hurt Trey Sermon is the fact that Trey Lance, if they incorporate his running ability a lot and become like a very low passing offense and turn into the Ravens, Trey Sermon's not the only guy there. There's still Raheem Mostert. There's still other guys. So I think Wayne Gallman is there as well. There's a bunch of other guys there, so he's not going to just get a huge workload. So he's not going to be excellent if Trey Lance ends up running a similar offense to the Ravens with Lamar Jackson and they barely pass the ball and the quarterback pulls off 12 rushes a game. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. It's, you know, there's a, a good array of possibilities there for Trey Sermon. Then Michael Carter would be my fifth running back. He went to the Jets. Him and LaMichael Pirine are going to be sharing that backfield. I would have Carter probably above Sermon if he went earlier in the draft, but the fact that he lasted as long as he did kind of concerns me. And I wasn't a big Michael Carter guy in the first place. Nate would definitely disagree. And those of you that know Nate, uh, you know, LaMichael Pirine, somebody he loved, so is Michael Carter. He actually said, I think he, Michael Carter was his second running back after, after Najee Harris. But anyways, Michael Carter would be my fifth. Then Kenneth Gainwell would be sixth for Philly because Nick Sirianni, who they brought on from Indy, maybe they drafted Kenneth Gainwell to be Naheem Hines because we've talked about here on this podcast Gainwell's receiving ability and how he might be the number one receiving running back in this class. If not, at worst, he's number two behind Najee Harris. And he's very similar to Naheem Hines in that way. So that could be the role he takes on. It could really hurt Miles Sanders. I hope I get the opportunity to do my 250-player projections that takes over 100 hours for me to statistically project everyone, and then I could give you even more analysis here for that backfield. But Kenneth Gainwell, as of right now, would probably be my sixth running back after Michael Carter. Then we have Ramon J. Stevenson. He is the seventh for me in fantasy after all the landing spots, and it's funny because he was my sixth in ranking and everyone thought I was crazy. Well, he was drafted at a decent price to the New England Patriots. Sonny Michelle has been banged up. Damian Harris has looked good at times. He also gets nicked up here and there. So it's possible that Ramondre Stevenson becomes the running back of the future and they use him like a LeGarrette Blunt. Maybe, maybe not, but at this point, the rest of the running backs are pretty rough. So Ramondre Stevenson is the clear seven to me. Then we have a huge teardrop to Javian Hawkins at Atlanta. Javian Hawkins is my eighth ranked running back, and he did not even get drafted. He got signed as an undrafted free agent, but he was one of my favorite sleepers. And where did he go? He went to Atlanta. Who is in Atlanta? It's him and Mike Davis. And I'm sorry, but Javian Hawkins is probably much better than Mike Davis. He had some good games when Christian McCaffrey was out, and then we saw him go back to the old Mike Davis that we knew from the previous teams like the Bears and the one before he was at. So Javian Hawkins, that's somebody I'm targeting everywhere. And the fact that he went undrafted is going to steer a lot of people away from him. So it's not like you're paying a high price. He might go undrafted in your rookie league. Just pick him up off the waiver afterwards or use your last pick on him. Keep an eye on Javian Hawkins. Another one is Larry Roundtree. The Chargers have always wanted to have that second running back, whether it was Eckler behind Melvin Gordon or it was, uh, oh my goodness, all of the, all the running backs that they rotated. Kalen Balage and Justin Jackson. Now the names are coming back to me. All those names that they rotated behind 
Austin Eckler once Melvin Gordon was gone. Trying to find that number two. Larry Roundtree could be that number two behind Austin Eckler, so keep your eyes out for him. Garrett Dokes to Miami. He'll probably make the team. He's pretty good. He's got a good profile athletically. And with Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed there, he probably won't be anything more than the third down back, but it's possible he beats out Ahmed. I think Gaskin is locked into the number one role, though, because they had plenty of ammo in this draft, and if they really didn't believe in Gaskin, they would have replaced him much earlier. Khalil Herbert to Chicago would be my next one. He is behind David Montgomery, obviously, but Chicago has been struggling with the with the cap, with the salary cap, and paying running back is not going to be something they want to do, and David Montgomery's got one year left. So one or two, two years left, and I don't see them re-signing him. So Khalil Herbert could become, if he gets some opportunities and they see something that they like, he could become the next running back for the Chicago Bears. And then lastly, Chuba Hubbard in Carolina. This is more of a handcuff just in case McCaffrey goes down. Hubbard has some nice upside because of his straight line speed, but I'm not a huge Hubbard guy. And that would round out the running back position. So we're going to take a quick break. Then we'll get to the wide receivers, the tight ends. And then we'll get into some head scratchers that I saw from the draft. And some some of my favorite team drafts and why right after this. What's up, divers? Do you guys enjoy a good workout like me? Well, guess what? I've got the perfect nutrition for you. And that is Built Bar. Go check out BuiltBar.com. Guys, I have tried every single flavor to this point. I've got some rankings for you. Here are my top five favorite flavors that are in the 18-pack, their standard rotation, not any holiday or special event items. My favorite is banana bread, followed very closely by coconut. I really like the peanut butter. That is my third favorite. Toffee almond. Ooh, that's a nice one. And cookies and cream. Those are the top five flavors if you guys want to try them out. If you haven't, why not? Why have you not tried these out yet? These are amazing. I have them after every single workout paired with, actually, their vitamin packs that give you 100% of your daily vitamins. Guys, I'm not even eating vegetables and fruits anymore. I don't need to. I'm getting all of my vitamins and then some. In a pack that comes out to less than a dollar a day. Are you kidding me? You're spending more than that on fruits and vegetables. Plus, it takes time to eat that. I'm somebody who thinks time is money. So, I just like to mix that stuff into my water. Check out Built Bar. Use my code DEEPDIVE to save 10% off. And get the nutrition side of working out. Add it in to the hard work you put in the gym. And get max results. Alright guys, welcome back. Let's talk about some receivers. Jamar Chase is my number one wide receiver in this class, and I'm going to give you some stats to ease your mind because a lot of people, granted, the landing spots were actually pretty bad for a lot of these receivers, so a lot of people still like Jamar Chase as the number one receiver in fantasy, but a lot are worried about him. Let me tell you why you should not be worried about him just because Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, two other really good receivers, are in that room. Here is why. Cincinnati, last year, targeted their wide receivers 69% of the time. 69% of the time, the wide receivers received the targets in that offense. That's a lot. That's very high. Usually, it's not that much for most teams. The tight ends and running backs will pull enough away to drop that number. It was not the case for Cincinnati. Cincinnati last year 
past 581 times, all right? Stay with me. I'm throwing out some numbers, but it's not going to get too complicated, all right? Stay with me here. Cincinnati passed 581 times. With that amount of passes, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, and T. Higgins, all three of them broke 100 targets. That's insane. Joe Burrow, if you only take the games Joe Burrow played and extended them over a 16-game season, and I know we have a 17-game season, but people don't know how to change the numerical value of something to a 17-game season yet, so I'm just going to talk as if it's a 16-game season, okay? Joe Burrow was on pace in a 16-game season for 646 passes. That would be top five most in the NFL. That's what I told you guys was going to happen, and that's why I love Boyd. That's why Boyd is my wide receiver eight, which he was actually directly on track for until Joe Burrow got injured. He was the wide receiver eight in fantasy. So I I feel like I have a pretty good understanding, a pretty good beat on this offense. And this offense is going to continue to throw the ball an insane amount to the wide receiver position. All right, if Joe Burrow was on pace for 646 passes and 69% of those went to the wide receivers, because that's how it's been working in Cincinnati, that means that there would be 445 targets available for the wide receivers in that offense. That is more passes than the Ravens throw to every position. 445 targets for the receivers. That's plenty for three Bengal receivers in Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase now with plenty to spare, with plenty to go around to other people. Think about it. A.J. Green had 104 targets last season. You could give all of those to Jamar Chase now that A.J. Green's gone. And guess what? Boom, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are still both able to keep their plus 100 from last year. And then add in the fact that Giovanni Bernard left... 59 targets on the table. Those are not all going to Joe Mixon. They're they're not all going to the running back position. They will go to the receivers. Some of them will. So you've got that. Then Alex Erickson and John Ross gone open up another 23 targets. So are all these targets going to go to the three receivers? Of course not. Is that what I'm saying? Of course not. What I'm saying is that with 581 passes last year, they had three receivers break 100 targets. Well, with Joe Burrow, they're on pace for 650 passes. That's 70 targets more. And you don't think that Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd can all be very good for fantasy? Trust me, that's not the case. If you go back and think about, man, was it the Packers? If you go back and think about the Packers' offense, when they didn't have tight ends, they didn't throw the ball to the running back all that much. They had Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and... I cannot think of his name right now. Jacoby Jones? Is it Jacoby Jones? So You guys know who I'm talking about, okay? I was not planning on talking about this. I kind of just bullet point my notes, right? But, and they also had Devontae Adams. The Packers were able to produce, I think, two seasons where they had three wide receivers that were in the top 30 for fantasy. That's going to be what the Bengals are this season. And maybe not... Jamar Chase being elite, but it will come to become that, or it will, you know, transition to that as he grows and gets better in the NFL. As a rookie, obviously, he's not going to get 130 targets, 140 targets, but that's definitely something that I can see in the future. Tyler Boyd right now would still be my favorite receiver in that room, by the way, because he works the slot, so his targets are safe. His targets are not going to be hurt by the addition of Jamar Chase. T. Higgins, 
maybe his target share will be hurt a little bit, but because they're going to throw the ball more with Joe Burrow hopefully healthy, healthy the whole season, he's not going to lose any targets. Now let's talk about my wide receiver too. It's Devonta Smith to Philly. It, it's kind of tough for me to choose between... This is the next tier for me. Jamar Chase is, is tier one. Nobody else is next to him. Then tier two is Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell in Miami, and Rondell Moore in Arizona. These three guys, you could put them in any order, and honestly, I'm not going to argue with you. Devonta Smith is somebody that I don't see being able to carry 115, 120 targets, and I'm not talking about rookie season. I'm talking about like his best seasons. Like when he's in his prime, I still don't think he's even going to be getting that many targets. Maybe, but I don't see it happening, especially not when you have Jalen Hurts, a quarterback who can run. And as their defense gets better, it's probably not going to be throwing 35 times, 38 times a game like he was last season. So Devonta Smith, he could be really good. He could be the de facto wide receiver one, or he could also be somebody that helps the offense way more than he helps your fantasy team, like the Deshaun Jacksons and other guys of that nature. Jalen Waddle could be very similar because we've got Devontae Parker there. We've got Preston Williams there. We've got Mike Gesicki there. Miles Gaskin gets used in the receiving game. So Jalen Waddle's probably not going to just be this super highly targeted wide receiver. Now, maybe Devontae Parker leaves in the future. Unlike, you can't say that for Devonta Smith. Jalen Rager's there to stay because he was just drafted. And Dallas Goddard's probably there to stay. Jalen Waddle, on the other hand, might become the number one pretty soon. Preston Williams could be gone. Devontae Parker could be gone. And it might just be him and the tight ends in that room. So maybe you put Jalen Waddle over Devonta Smith. And then maybe your favorite is Rondell Moore because he's with Kyler Murray in Arizona. And he's got DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. So Rondell Moore is going to have a very easy time in terms of dealing with coverage. And he's already a beast physically, athletically, quickness change of direction, after the catch, toughness. Like, he's already so good at so many things. So Rondell Moore could legitimately pull in 95 targets his rookie season, possibly. Maybe like 80. Maybe 95 is a little too high. Maybe like 80. But he he can get a lot of carries, too, that can turn into some gadgety fantasy points. And then he could develop into a super sick wide receiver, too, if he could just stay healthy. So you could order those guys any way you want. If I had to order them, I would probably have Rondell Moore last. But like I said, I'm not convicted. They're all in the same tier for me. But I'd probably have Rondell Moore last. I honestly can't make a decision between Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. Like if I find myself on the board and those two are the ones I have to pick, I'm going to flip a coin every single time. I'm not literally flipping a coin, but like if I took Devonta Smith last time in a different draft, then I'm going to take Jalen Waddle this time and I'm going to just split my shares. Then... The next tier starts, and ugh, I hate that this guy is so high for me, but I just don't see how he can be super bad because he has a huge path to volume. That's Amon Ross St. Brown to Detroit. Him, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, that's going to be the bulk of that offense most likely. So Amon Ross St. Brown has to be pretty high because of the volume he's going to get. Even though I don't like him as much as everybody else, he was, I think, outside my top 10. He was probably in the 12 to 14 range in my wide receiver rankings in this draft class. He's somebody I had to move up because of volume. And remember, I said you don't want to be moving people up in too many tiers. But my tiers in this wide receiver class were really big. I had tiers with seven, eight people. So he was in the third tier, I think, or fourth tier. And now he's in the third third tier. 
because the first year is just Jamar Chase, then Smith to Rondell Moore and Waddle would be the second. Now he's in the third, along with Terrace Marshall in Carolina. This is more of a long-term play. I don't think he's going to be great his rookie season, but I think he was drafted by his college coach for a reason. He knows what he can do. He knows he has the prototypical wide receiver one body and decent athleticism. He's actually kind of, he looks kind of like T. Higgins in terms of like body type. So Terrace Marshall could be really good. DJ Moore is going to be their wide receiver one. Robbie Anderson, it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Maybe that they have Terrace Marshall in the building now. Maybe Robbie Anderson becomes more of a Curtis Samuel and is more of a gadgety guy and then like a deep threat. And they don't use him with 9 to 11 targets from game to game like they were. So we'll see what happens there. But Terrace Marshall, for a long-term play, I really like. I think he'll develop into a very nice wide receiver two next to DJ Moore and probably be pulling in around 100 targets a season. Amari Rodgers to Green Bay, I love it. The I would have him a lot higher, actually, if I could have confirmation that Aaron Rodgers is there in Green Bay and playing. Right now, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. I don't want to you know, make any strong convictions on something that none of us know about. I think it's foolish when people do that, so I'm not going to do that. And I'm just going to say if Aaron Rodgers is there playing, I love Amari Rodgers, if it's Jordan Love or somebody else, we'll just have to see. Then we've got Deami Brown. This is somebody a lot of people are going to forget about. He went to Washington. Everyone loved the Curtis Samuel signing. Everyone's like, oh, now they got Terry and Curtis and Gibson, and this offense is ready to go. Hold up, because Curtis Samuel's under Ron Rivera, which he was already, and he wasn't used a crazy amount, so... It's possible that De'Ami Brown ends up taking that wide receiver two spot after his rookie year. So he's somebody I really like, especially because Washington is building their team, in my opinion, the proper way. They're building that defense to be absolutely elite. And then they're building the offense by stacking skilled players around the quarterback before they bring in the quarterback. So once they do so... Washington is going to be a amazing, an amazing landing spot for whatever rookie wide receiver they get eventually, whether it's the 2022 draft or the 2023 draft, whenever it happens, and they could easily become a trade-up candidate because their team is pretty well-rounded right now. Their defense, like I said, is stacked, and then their offense, now they've got De'Ami Brown, who I think can be a great wide receiver too, next to Terry McLaurin. Then they've got Curtis as a gadgety guy. They've got Antonio Gibson who can do all of it in the backfield along with the receiving game. So, And their offensive line is not horrible. So they just need to add a couple offensive linemen and a quarterback, and that's a Super Bowl team. I'm serious. You, you think I'm kidding. I'm serious. If you go to one of those places where you can drop stock on the perceived value of NFL teams, I'm dropping stock on Miami, and I'm dropping stock on Washington. We've kind of talked about this already, also um, also the Panthers, but I, I really like what Washington's doing. I think they're doing it the right way, and I think they're going to get good very quickly. All they got to do is nail down that quarterback spot, and if you believe that they can do so in the next couple years, I would invest into this team. Then we've got Kadarius Tony, and the reason I said De'Ami Brown's probably going to fall is because people are looking at Curtis, and they're going to say, one, De'Ami Brown wasn't drafted too high. So it's kind of, you know, easy to forget about him because he wasn't a second rounder or anything like that. And also, a lot of people think he's behind Curtis Samuel, which I don't think is going to be the case for too long. 
Then we got Kadarius Tony in New York with the Giants. I love Kadarius Tony, but that is a super crowded room, and I don't even like Daniel Jones that much. So that's why instead of being in my second tier like he was in my rankings previously, now he's in the third tier with all these guys that we've talked about. Then we've got Rashad Bateman to Baltimore. Same thing as Kadarius Tony, pretty much. I'm not a huge Lamar guy when it comes to the passing game. I think Lamar, before you get... I know this is like a touchy subject for people. Before you get pissed off, I know that Lamar is a good quarterback. Lamar is a very good quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. He is very helpful for them winning games. He helps the organization a lot. He's exciting. He brings in fans. He brings in money. He does a lot for that organization. But when you look at just his passing ability, he's subpar. He's below average. And you might pull up his crazy passing efficiency, but that was due to his rushing ability being so dynamic that when people didn't know the offense, they didn't know what was coming. It was the first year Greg Roman was there, which is what usually happens with Greg Roman is his first year is pretty good and then just it tanks after that. Once people knew what the offense was doing and how these people were getting free that Lamar was just throwing balls to and they could even adjust when they were inaccurate because they are wide open, that's not going to work anymore because they know how to defend you. And when it's 3rd and 9 for the Buccaneers, when it's 3rd and 9 for the Chiefs, when it's 3rd and 9 and for the, pa- for the Packers, guess what? You've got a chance to convert. When it's 3rd and 9 for the Ravens and the defense doesn't have to worry about you running the ball and they know you have to pass the ball to get this conversion because this is your last shot, the Ravens are off the field almost every time. And that's probably going to be better because they drafted Rashad Bateman and they drafted, um, oh my goodness, Tylen Wallace. Man, guys, I stuffed like 8,000 names into my brain, so sometimes it takes a second to pull them out. Tylen Wallace was also drafted, which I'm so mad about because I love Tylen Wallace and they killed my fantasy dreams for him and they did the same thing to Rashad Bateman because that offense, you remember what I said about Cincinnati? They throw the ball more times to just the wide receivers than the Ravens do to their entire team. The Ravens are usually sub 450, always sub 500 pretty much, pass attempts. That is not going to be conducive to wide receivers for fantasy, especially when there's so many of them. You've got Rashad Bateman, you've got Marquise Brown, you've got Tylen Wallace, you've got Sammy Watkins, and you've got Mark Andrews. That's five dudes. You've got about 450 targets to go around to five prominent guys and then a bunch of nobodies as well that usually take about 15% of the target share in a team. So you're not looking at much. You're really not. And if someone's saying, see, this is a perfect example. If somebody's saying, screw landing spot, Rashad Bateman was my second rated receiver and I'm keeping him there. All right, have fun with that, bud, because... That's not going to be the case. I really I really don't see how Rashad Bateman, over the course of time, can be better than a lot of these other receivers. Unless Lamar Jackson gets replaced or unless they stop running the ball, which I don't see either of those things happening. So, especially because they're trying to extend contract talks right now, or they have contract talks to extend his contract, is what I meant to say, with Lamar Jackson. Then, after Rashad Bateman, we've got Elijah Moore to the Jets. I will definitely bump him up if they drop Jamison Crowder. As of right now, Jamison Crowder is on the roster. So they've got him, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, Corey Davis, 
And guys, don't forget about my boy, Chris Herndon. I've been telling you, he was my mystery relevant pick in all of the drafts that I've been doing. Every time, last draft, or last pick, Chris Herndon. Round 25, Chris Herndon. Round 30, if it's a deeper league, Chris Herndon. Because if they don't, if they didn't draft a tight end, the reason Chris Herndon was bad was because Adam Gase didn't let him run routes. He had him pass blocking about 50% of the time. That's obnoxious. Let Chris Herndon go run routes. And if they let him do that, especially because they added another lineman here, and their linemen are starting to gel and hopefully get a little bit better, they still need work in that department, yes. But they should be able to let Chris Herndon loose. And if so, there's nobody there competing with him in the tight end room. So Chris Herndon, keep an eye out. But yes, Elijah Moore, I have him pretty low right now. I wasn't a huge fan of him in the first place, so that's part of it. But, and also, Nate was not either. So everyone loves Elijah Moore except for your guys at Deep Dive. Me and my most common guest, Nate Christian over at Dynasty Nerds and Dynasty Owner and all, all the things that he does. Dynasty Rewind, like he's he's awesome. He's already starting on the 2022 draft. So keep an eye out on Nate Christian's work. But it's at... Nate NFL, by the way. Man, look at me just giving him shout-outs. Such a nice guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so anyways, Elijah Moore to the Jets. Pretty low for me. Then we've got two guys I absolutely love. That guys, you're getting them. You're getting them. If you're listening to this podcast, get these dudes. Unless you're in a league with me. Because if you snipe me, I'm going to lose it. But Ihmir Smith-Marset, Minnesota. One of my favorite sleepers. He was my three-star sleeper, actually. You guys know this. He was my favorite one out of the receiving group in that sleeper episode that I released a couple months back. And now he landed in the perfect spot. Let's go. Minnesota. Adam Thielen's almost done. I'm not joking when I say this sixth-round pick, I don't care. Ihmir Smith-Marset, I care a little bit, but like I really believe in his talent. He could be the wide receiver, too, next to Justin Jefferson. For the foreseeable future. This guy is good. And he's being slept on. And then Daz Newsome to Chicago. Darnell Mooney's never going to be a super huge. High target. High volume player. Allen Robinson is there because of the franchise tag. If he ends up leaving. Which maybe he won't. Because Justin Fields is there. And he finally has a good quarterback for the first time in his career. But if he ends up leaving. Daz Newsome might be the most targeted receiver in that offense. I'm serious. And... Like, just just go watch this guy. Go watch Daz Newsome. If Allen Robinson stays, Daz Newsome could be the wide receiver too, and Darnell Mooney can be a super excellent route runner and deep threat as their wide receiver three. So Daz Newsome is somebody I'm really excited about with the landing spot. He was really late too. These are guys that could be going undrafted or in the fourth round for you. Now let's talk about the tight ends. We've got Kyle Pitts to Atlanta. Looking at realistic landing spots, this is a dream scenario. I really believe so because apparently they're going to run it with Matt Ryan for the next couple years. They're not going to take a quarterback because if they were, they should have done it this year. So it's going to be Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley. They're going to try and get rid of Julio this season. And if they don't, he'll be gone after this next season. So you've got at most one year of Julio Jones left. Kyle Pitts could be getting 140 targets in year two. I truly believe that. And he could be the tight end one in year two of his career until he retires. So I I love that spot. I really love that spot. Carolina, there's too much talent there for him to have as high of a ceiling as he does in Atlanta. 
Carolina was another place people mocked him to. Same thing in Miami. They had enough players to stop Kyle Pitts from being an absolute target hawk. Well, guess what? Atlanta is the place where he's going to be a target hawk, especially because they have no running game. They didn't take running backs in this draft. They've got Mike Davis, woo-hoo, big deal, and Javion Hawkins, who I love and we talked about already, and I'm trying to get everywhere, but he was undrafted, right? And even if he ends up being good, he's not going to be like an Ezekiel Elliott workhorse type of running back. So what else do you need? I mean, Kyle Pitts is going to be sick. Pat Fryermuth to Pittsburgh, probably not going to be great until that wide receiver room gets trimmed down a little bit. James Washington, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool. Two of those guys will be gone very soon. Chase Claypool obviously won't be. But Deontay, Juju, who's on a one-year deal, which I still don't understand why he did that, but hey, to each his own. And James Washington, two of those guys will be gone probably after this year. So at that point, I would really like Pat Fryermuth. So pretty good landing spot, actually. Brevin Jordan to Houston. Went super late in the draft. I'm still struggling to figure out why he fell so far. But Houston, outside of Brandon Cooks, does not have much to work with right now. So Brevin Jordan could be the second best target there. It sucks because the offense is going to be terrible. Deshaun Watson's not starting. So it's going to be a rough situation. But he's a talented guy. I comped him to Jonu Smith. It's possible that he does some damage. Trey McKitty would be my fourth. Just like he was before landing spots, before the draft. Landing to LA with the Chargers was probably as good as it gets. So I absolutely love that for Trey McKitty. Tommy Tremble would be the next one. He went to Carolina and then Hunter Long to Miami. That's just because there wasn't many good court, uh, many good tight ends taken after Hunter Long. Now let's talk about, we finished the fantasy rankings, right? Let's talk about some head-scratching decisions from the first round and actually the second round as well. I already talked about this. The Panthers and Broncos passing on fields absolutely blew my mind. Travis Etienne going at 25 to Jacksonville. It is borderline fireable. (laughs) Like Urban Meyer just got hired. So obviously that's not going to be the case, right? But you've got James Robinson who just took on one of the biggest workloads in the entire NFL last season as a undrafted free agent. He costs your team nothing. And you're grabbing somebody to compete with him. Why? Why? You could have grabbed an offensive lineman to protect to protect Trevor Lawrence at 25. You could have added to your defense at 25, gotten Trevon Merrick or Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa or a bunch of different guys, but you didn't do that. No, instead, you decided to draft a running back at a position that was not of need. You already have a running back. And they're not expensive. It's not like you're you know, getting a younger, cheaper guy. No, you're getting a pretty similar in age, more expensive guy. And to top all of that, the only time I'm ever okay with a team taking a running back in the first round is if that team has a shot at the Super Bowl. Do the Jaguars have a shot at the Super Bowl right now? No. And they probably won't for the next at least two years. Well, guess what? At that point in time, Travis Etienne's getting to the back end of his contract. You need, running back should be the last position that you fill. 
You fill, you build everything else. You drop in the quarterback, and then you fill the running back spot because it's easy to draft a running back. It's easy to fill the running back spot in the NFL. There are so many good ones all the time. You can get them in free agency. You can get them in the draft. Why would you waste such important draft capital when you've already got James Robinson, one, and two, you're not ready to win right now? And by the time you are, you're probably going to have to put Travis Etienne on a second contract, which we know is not a good idea. So that was just ridiculous. Dwayne Eskridge to Seattle was probably even worse because Seattle has Tyler Lockett. They have DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson is always in trouble because that offensive line is atrocious. That defense is a Steve. It's you cut through that defense like cheese. You cut through that defense actually even worse like butter. And yeah. They had so many directions to go. And instead, not only do they take a receiver, but they take one of the lowest ranked receivers in this draft class, in my opinion. Dwayne Eskridge was not inside my top 15. They took him in front of so many people when they took him in the middle of the second round. So many guys. No way do I take Dwayne Eskridge over De'Ami Brown, Tylen Wallace, Daz Newsome, there are a million other guys. Amon Ra. I don't know if they took him over him or not. I don't remember where what number he went at. But it's just ridiculous. Like, I, I did not understand that pick at all. And then even worse, to top it off, three picks later, 2-2 Atwell, the Rams. Are you serious? Are you serious? Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson, who you just drafted last year, and you have very little draft capital. Oh, let's take a receiver. We really need one of those. Are you serious right now? And then they drafted another one. And then they drafted a running back. I cannot. I don't, I don't understand. I don't. Not comprehending over here. Like, either I'm stupid or they're stupid. But somebody in this room, somebody in this thought process is stupid. And I don't think it's me. <laughs> so, um, and that's not like me, like, blasting an ego. That's just like, what are you doing, Rams? You just drafted Cam Akers and Van Jefferson. And you've got good receivers. And you've got holes to fill on the defense. You have you can add to the O-line in a super sick offensive line class. And you didn't. You chose so many people that you don't need. It's just, you can't tell, but like, my face is is everything right now. So let's talk about my favorite drafts, right? Enough shitting on teams. Let's, let's prop some teams up. So I'll just give this one a quick shout out because a lot of people are already talking about this team. The Lions, great job. Great job. Panay Sewell, and then even from there, uh, every pick, home run. Nice. I like it. Now let's talk about the Vikings. I love what the Vikings did. They got Christian Darisaw, a tackle, and they got Wyatt Davis to work the interior of the offensive line. Two great pickups. That's really going to help Dalvin Cook, and it's really going to give Kirk Cousins more time to hit Justin Jefferson and, guess what, Amir Smith-Marset, as well as Adam Thielen for the next year or two. And then they got Sage Surratt at linebacker. Is it Sage? I don't remember his first name. They got Surratt at linebacker, and they got Patrick Jones, defensive end. And then, like I said, Amir Smith-Marset, one of my favorite sleepers in the sixth round. So Vikings, I applaud you. Dolphins, they got Jalen Waddle, a separator. I've said so many times, Tua needs separators, and they did that. They got Jalen Waddle. They got Jalen Phillips at defensive end. They need a presence there. 
They got Eichenberg, Liam Eichenberg, the tackle. Awesome. Protect Tua. You got him a separator and continue to protect him. I love it. And they got Javon Holland at safety. Nice. Great draft. Great draft. The Bears traded up for Fields, who should not have fallen past like the top five, and he did. He was the consensus number two pick behind Trevor Lawrence forever until the last couple months and just fell for no reason at all. Justin Fields, great move. Traded up for for Jenkins, great move to protect him. And they got Borum to protect him as well. They added two offensive linemen with Justin Fields. They are doing it right, and they got the sneaky good Daz Newsom at the end of the draft, who I really love. Great job, Bears. And I don't think I clapped for the Dolphins. There it is. Washington. Jameen Davis and St. Juice help round out the elite defense. Samuel Cosme to protect Ryan Fitzpatrick and then whoever they end up putting back there for the future. And then De'Ami Brown as a third receiver. Amazing landing spot for quarterbacks. Amazing landing spot. That team is built to win for a while. Love it. Panthers. Outside of passing on Justin Fields, which maybe that should stop me from putting them in here, honestly, because... When Justin Fields becomes one of the better quarterbacks, if not the second best quarterback from this draft class, and he's, you know, leading the Bears to the playoffs, the Panthers are going to feel real stupid. They, Unless Sam Darnold turns into something great, they're going to feel real stupid. So maybe I shouldn't put them in here because of that. But if I don't look at who they pass on and I just look at who they drafted, I like it. J.C. Horn, really good corner. Terrace Marshall, receiver I love him. Shai Smith, a sleeper receiver I really liked. I didn't talk too much about him for fantasy because he's buried on that depth chart, but he will probably be on the team because he's very good. Tommy Tremble at tight end. He's got some upside. And then Brady Christensen at offensive tackle and Davian Nixon at D-line. All pretty good pickups. I like that. Good job, Panthers. Also, I hope you guys never win any games. Cleveland Browns. They got Greg Newsom at cornerback. They got JOK. I don't understand why he fell to the second round. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, that is. I love him. James Hudson at offensive tackle, sick. Sick, man. Love that draft. Good job, Browns. So that's my shout-outs to my favorite drafts. And with that said, I went over the fantasy rankings. I went over some head-scratchers, my favorite drafts, what I got right. Remember, I got nine picks right this year, so that was freaking awesome. I was very excited to hit nine because, like I said, five to seven is usually the average. But nevertheless... Hope this was a good podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any questions, as always, I know most of you do this already, but reach out to me. I'm an easygoing guy. I'll answer your questions when I have the opportunity to do so. Usually doesn't take me more than 24 hours, so I'll get back to you. And um, hope you guys have a good one. Until next time, peace.